Well, hi everybody, it's Lisa Tamati here at Pushing the Limits and it's wonderful to have you back if you're a first time listener. Thanks for joining us and if you're coming back for more, that's even better. Thanks for your loyalty, we'll really appreciate it. Now today I've got um, a very special guest who I know is going to provide some value, especially to all you health fanatics out there or your fitness fanatics and you runners especially. Um, we have Chris Desmond from the TBI Health Group in Mana, which is in just north of uh, Poirua, somewhere down there. And Chris is the clinic ma uh, manager for, for them, and he is a physio, he has a bachelor's in physio and a postgrad certificate in rehabilitation, and also got a master's degree in uh, management and enterprise development, a little bit of an overachiever. Um, <laughs> and Chris is going to share his insights on uh, injury prevention, most common injuries that he sees amongst runners especially, but also in other sports. Um, and what we can do about it, what he would recommend as far as training goes. So welcome to the show, Chris. Lovely to have you. Hey, Lisa. Thanks so much for having me. It's, uh, it's cool to sit down and have a bit of a chat with you on your, on your podcast. Yeah, and, it's pretty be cool. be a guest here. <laughs> I, I was on Chris's podcast. We have to give that a, a plug too. Uh, I was on his podcast a few weeks ago. So tell us what's the name of your podcast, Chris, and uh, where can people find that? Yeah, so my podcast is uh, is called Uncomfortable is Okay, and basically it's about uh, exploring the the science, the stories, and the strategies of getting out of your comfort zone so you can find where, where your managed, uh, magic happens. Mm -hmm. Because so often we're kind of uh, in this day and age where we're restricted and we hang out in our comfort zones way too much. Um, and actually pushing outside of them is is okay, both in life and in, in rehabilitation as well. So the the best place to look that up is um, on your on your favorite podcast app, whether that's uh, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or, or Overcast or some other one. Um, just search for Uncomfortable is OK on there. Uh, you can follow along with us on, on Facebook and Instagram at Uncomfortable is OK as well. Uh, and there will be a website coming soon. Um, if you go to uncomfortableisok.com, it will say site is currently under construction or coming soon or something like yep. that. But it will be there soon. Oh, fabulous. Massive amount of work. Total respect for the amount of episodes that you've already put out, Chris, and you must have a fairly decent following. It's a, it's a, it's a hell of a, you know, both of us know what, what a job podcasting is. Mm. <laughs> it sounded good at the time. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, it's fantastic because, you know, you get to meet so amazing people and have them on your podcast and get their insights. Uh, it's great for your listeners. It's great all round, um, but it is a labor of love for, uh, for most of us. And um, all the support that you can give uh, local podcasters, you know, that, that's really good. So ratings, reviews, all that sort of good stuff, people. For mine, of course, and for Chris's as well, that would be fantastic. That would um, be much appreciated. Yeah, we all need those, don't we? Those rating and reviews and share with your networks and all that sort of good stuff. Um, let's get on to the topic here, Chris. Um, so what are some of the most common injuries that you see presenting in your years uh, as clinic manager um, in, in regards mostly to running? So, you know, what sort of injuries are, do you most commonly see runners facing? Yeah, I mean, the the predomination of, of injuries that we get coming through here are the, the mostly lower limb injuries, as you would expect with a, with a sport like running. Um, I've done a fair bit of running myself and have suffered from uh, a few of these injuries as well. I've kind of run everything from the, the 100 metres all the way up to my first ultra marathon last year. Good man. 
Um, yeah, yeah. It was. I feel like I'm still recovering, actually. <laughs> you probably are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> On a cellular um, level. <laughs> yeah, need to need to do a bit more sleeping. So, I mean, the predominant injury I think that that I would see mostly, and I'm not sure if that's just kind of. Uh, be, be, based on where I am as well in Wellington, we see a lot of runners that are running on hills. Um, It might be slightly different in in areas that are a little bit more flat, but our calf and Achilles injuries, um, that's that's usually the big one. Um, Then often there is uh, hip and knee injuries or hip and knee um, kind of more sort of overuse injuries through yeah. the through the hip and the knee, um, and sometimes kind of plantar fascia or base of the foot type of injury. That, mm, that's that'd a nasty be the one. Yeah, yeah that, that's niggly. The that's other niggly, ones yeah. often you can kind of manage and just sort of work through. Yeah. Sometimes with the plantar fascia and the Achilles, actually, you do just need to stop and uh, and rest things, or jump on a bike, or jump in the pool and do some. Do some other kind of cross training for your fitness. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so do you like you know when you're seeing all these overuse injuries? You know, I've always been of the opinion that we are, as the book says, born to run. That we are born for long distance um, running. Slow, long distance running is what humans have always done over the millennia, throughout history, throughout the world. Um, you know, from the primitive man right through to, to today. Not so much today because we're very sedentary lifestyles, but at least to a couple of generations ago. Um, why, therefore, are we getting overuse injuries? Is, you know, like some people say to me, oh, you're going to wreck your knees, you know, running. Um, and, you know, I've run 70,000 odd kilometers, I haven't wrecked my knees yet. So, <laughs> um, what do you agree that we are, you know, as, as bipeds uh, made for this running caper? Or are we just doing it wrong, or are our shoes to blame, or a mixture of everything? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. There's big, big <laughs> questions. Yeah, and I, I completely agree with you. We're we're born to we're born to run. Our bodies are designed to move and to be moving, as you say, in a in predominantly kind of a, a low-ish level of activity um, for extended periods of time. We don't like doing the same thing for ages and ages, whether that be sitting down, whether that be standing in one position, whether that be, I mean, just kind of, even if you think, hey, I'm just going to go and pound the pavement for 80Ks in a flat, straight line, your body's not going to particularly like that too much either. Um, And I think, yeah, so I think one one of the big things... Um, at the moment, one of the challenges for people that do have this overuse type injury is that we we go and sit behind a desk for most of the day and we, we train our bodies to be sitting and be sedentary for eight hours a day. And we don't tend to work our uh, stability muscles and our core muscles to hold us in place there because our bodies have evolved to try and conserve energy. And if we're engaging all our core and stability muscles, we're, we're burning more energy. So what we do is we sit, we hang off, um, we hang off kind of the uh, some of the other structures in our body. So we rely on the on the ligaments and the tendons to um, and the fascia to just kind of 
keep ourselves upright basically so these these structures are getting fatigued over the course of the day just just sitting there yep and then we go and get real excited and think oh i've just been sitting down in one <laughs> position for eight hours and then now i'm going to go and out a tank over yeah, it. <laughs> yeah 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 so it is i think part of it is the part of it is the kind of change in in our work and life habits that yep. it's a it's a lot more sedentary so we're not we're not moving around quite as much. We're not keeping the range of movement in our in our lower limbs, uh, through our ankles, knees, hips, lower back, that we that we would have if we were hopefully working a more sort of um, manual job or yeah, or living a more active lifestyle. Normal, yeah, human life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then also, I mean, this you can hack your way to. Well, apparently you can hack your way to anything these days. So you th- people th- often go out and, and get too excited about about things too early and just push a little bit beyond what their body is capable of mm, too fast. at the time as well. Yeah, too too far, too fast. Because yep. um, our body has a, a certain amount of capacity to be able to bear load through our our soft tissue structures, so our muscles, our tendons, our ligaments, our our discs, um, the fascia, a whole lot of there's other things in there as well that I haven't named. But and our bodies are absolutely amazing at being able to adapt, but unfortunately that adaptation does take time. So I mean you can you can stick something in the microwave and have yeah. it be ready for you in two minutes. Yeah. But even that today is is slow if you compare it to like Amazon's one-click buying, where you can have a, a book yep. delivered to you electronically in ten seconds. We want everything so, instantly, don't we? We yeah, are an yeah, instant yeah. generation. I want to know how to run. I want to be able to run the marathon tomorrow. Yeah, um, yeah. why can't I? Why can't I go and do ten k's yeah. uh, for not having run? In the last two years, I, and often yep. I will get people that come into the clinic and said, "Yeah, I've I've got a niggly Achilles after going out and running ten k's." And um, you ask them, "Oh, how how much running do you usually do?" And they they say, "Well, I haven't done any for a while, but I always used to be able to do ten k's pretty easily." Yeah, I find that so frustrating when when people say, "Oh, but I used to run marathons, or I used to do that," and, and you ask them, and it was like ten years ago. <laughs> you know how time <laughs> yeah, flies, and you sort of I've think had, you're back there yeah. still, you know. And yeah, it's... I've had three kids, and yeah. uh, been <laughs> working. <laughs> yeah, working working at it behind a desk for uh, eight years, and uh, yeah, don't sleep as well, and don't eat as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I think part of it is part of it comes down to people's expectations as well. Um, in regards to how quickly they can progress to uh, to running, uh, specifically distance, yep. um, but also if you're kind of factoring speed into the equation as well. If you're a like uh, or or kind of any type of athlete is that you're if you're lifting weights, if you're doing CrossFit, if you're a sprinter, if you're a even if you do something like yoga or Pilates, is that you're going to be able to start off at a certain level and then you're going to have to progress uh, over time to allow your body to strengthen but also to 
allow everything to adapt as well. So allow your allow your tendons and your ligaments and the other soft tissue structures in your body time to adapt to this new load and this new challenge that you're that you're placing on it. Because we we like our our cardiovascular system and our even our muscles react a whole lot faster than our tendons and ligaments, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. So you'll you'll get stronger, and that's why a lot of people do. Um, from from runners to weightlifters is that if they increase the load too fast, yeah, your muscles will adapt and they'll they'll strengthen up um, and you'll be able to do that. But it tends to be that the tendons that uh, because they take longer to adapt, that's where the, that's where the, the injury and the irritation, yeah, yeah, starts to occur. So how how much too do you think it is about? Um, hydration, you know, like I, I, I sort of tend to think, and this might be a bit out there, that a lot of injuries, um, inflammation injuries, tear injuries even, come from the fact that we're not hydrating properly um, and that we're working in a dehydrated state and that our muscles don't recover from their workload, if you like, um, as quickly as they could if your fascia, if your muscles, if your your joints don't have enough fluids in them um, and, you know, enough hydration. Is that part of the the problem? Are you more likely to have achy, sore bits and injuries happening when you're dehydrated? Yeah, from from personal experience, I, I think so. And I think if you're if you're not well hydrated, then you are going to be running into problems. Um, in saying that, I haven't I haven't personally read uh, any research that kind of does definitively say yes, there is um, a, there's a, yeah. a correlation or a, a causation between yeah. dehydration and injury. I have actually read some research though based on people's experience of pain and dehydration. Oh, yeah. So people, um, people that are dehydrated, so if, you're, if, if we're talking about pain like on a numeric scale, so between zero and zero and 10, so zero is no pain at all, 10 is the most severe pain that you can imagine. Um, the people that are dehydrated usually experience pain at a higher level on that scale and oh, at wow. a clinically significant higher level than people that are well hydrated. And this this occurs for people that have um, have acute pain, but also mm-hmm. that have chronic pain as well. Wow. That if you're well hydrated, your body's experience of pain is lessened. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That would make yeah. absolute so, sense to me. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm not 100% sure on the does okay. being dehydrated cause injuries? Potentially yes because you're not going to be performing as optimally. Yeah. But yeah. that definitely but the, also the, pain the recovery of yeah. 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 And this this research is coming out I think out of Massey University as well. So uh-huh. it's um it's all local stuff which is cool. which is very cool. Yeah, I mean I just in you know personal experience I know that um, like I've, I've, if I'm dehydrated, I have more back pain. Um, mm. Or the times when I've had a, a couple of drinks, and you know, obviously alcohol dehydrates your body. Um, the next day, I'm so sore, achy everywhere. Um, and I, yes, yeah, mm. so I, I sort of made that correlation. But well, mm, dehydration it would make sense that like if you've got a dried out system, if you've got like um, beef jerky. 
is gonna, <laughs> if you like, if you want an analogy, is is gonna be tougher and, and not as not got as much ability to flush stuff through, um, than when it's you know well hydrated and well oiled and there's enough water to deal with the the uh, inflammation, the the flushing out of the lactic acid, all that sort of good stuff. Um, but yeah, definitely yeah, wasn't sure whether the research backed that up or not. Yeah, yeah, I, and uh, to be honest, I haven't. It's something yeah, that I'm talking about from from personal experience. Yeah. I haven't I haven't checked that out either. But no. I don't think it's just um, the liquids that you put into your body as well. It's and again, this isn't my area oh, no, of expertise, yeah. but it's Hot. it's definitely the food that yeah, the uh, that I put into into my body. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like I'll train a whole lot better the next day if I've had dinner at like a big dinner of a whole lot of whole lot of vegetables. Um, um, that I haven't kind of you haven't sort of doused in sauce and stuff. Um, but if I've if I've had a dinner like that rather than I've had a burger and chips. Oh yeah. And even though the burger and chips are delicious, yep. um, my tra- <laughs> my training is is affected the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's kind of something that's something that I've probably become more aware of over time as I get older. That I get a little bit smarter about my training and. Um, when I was when I was in my early twenties, you could just yeah, you had burger and chips and well, you can get uh, away with and, more too when you're yeah. twenty, <laughs> can't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not so good when you you know start getting up there a bit. I mean, I'm getting right up there, and it's um, yeah, it's a bit more. You gotta you gotta take into account more things. I, I also you know I'm a great believer in you know the importance of electrolytes. I mean, I've I've had situations where my electrolytes have been so out of whack from doing you know ultras or being out in the bush for weeks on end or without proper nutrition or things like that where um, it's actually been nearly life and death on one occasion we had um, had a tetany seizure in, in Alaska Whoa. which was where my potassium levels were so low that you know every muscle in the body cramped and all the water was forced out of the cells into the interstitial area um, around the cells and that leads to heart attack and luckily I was two minutes from a hospital when it happened and they managed to save my life but that that's how important um, electrolytes, because they are like, to do with the contractions, your electrical, uh, what do you call it, impulses in, in your muscles and all that sort of stuff. You get it wrong, um, you can be in deep, deep trouble, not just a little bit of trouble. Uh, that's on the extreme scale, but as far as even like sporting performance goes, if you don't have the right potassium, magnesium, sodium mix going on in your body, um, and you're too diluted with water or not enough the other way around, um, you know, you're going to run into trouble either way. Um, mm. And so, yeah, going back to the injury uh, scenario, so if someone presents to you with, you know, say a common injury, shin splints, yep. uh, what, what sort of uh, exercises can they do? I mean, obviously you haven't seen them, you know, they haven't, you haven't <laughs> examined them, but what are some... Yep some general guidelines uh, for a few of the main injuries. So let's start with shin splints. So shin splints, um, and I think with with this, it's kind of a general, it'd probably be a general rule for most uh, most injuries is, is what we want to do to start with, if the pain is quite acute, is actually just try and settle that pain down a little bit. And whether that... Um, Usually that incorporates a period of rest to start with. And whether that is like a complete stop 
from the activity that you're doing for sort of a week or two week period. Um, and I would I would advise going to see your, your favorite local health professional around yeah, this yeah. as well, um, Always, obviously to yeah. get some, yeah, sort of uh, individualized advice. But settling that pain down with um, with a period of rest, um, whether you find that uh, some icing works for you, mm-hmm. um, and there's a lot of different uh, there's a lot of debate about kind of yeah, the best is. way to ice yeah, and if ice is beneficial. Um, yeah. I like it, yep. um, and I think a lot of the studies out there look at a re- have a really narrow focus in terms of kind of what they're measuring and the way that they're they're icing. Um, you'll know pretty much straight away if it's going to work for you or not or not. Um, so some icing, some really is it not gentle. not sort of blocking, you know, like I've read recently about, you know, icing isn't good because it blocks the inflammation and the inflammation is there for a particular reason in order to help heal, the, the, make the healing process faster. Um, you know, what are your, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Because, you know, we've always been told to, you know, rice, rest, ice, compression, elevation type situation. Um, and now they're coming out, and like you say, some of these studies are saying, well, no, icing stopping the actual normal inflammation process, which is part of the healing process. You got any opinion on that, or really a bit hard to tell? Too early days. Yeah, I think it's I think it's quite early days, um, and I think it depends on sort of what kind of population that you're looking at with that as well. Is that um, are these sort of well healthy people that you're that you're looking at that actually everything is in balance everything's going well for them and actually if you don't ice then that is uh that's going to be fine or is this a population is this someone that you're looking at that's starting to get into exercise is a little bit uh overweight have some kind of maybe chronic health low-level chronic health stuff bubbling away in the background they're a bit fatigued then not they're not super healthy that actually they probably have a little bit of inflammation going on in a bad level in their yeah. body anyway yeah yeah um, yeah and so it's chronic versus i don't yeah acute yeah. sort of inflammation yeah yeah and i and i yeah i don't um long term i think it, uh, it's still quite early to tell but i think from what i know long term it's not gonna it's not gonna impair you no. Or ice, and it's going to allow you to get back and, and start moving a little Quicker. bit more uh, freely to start with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, now, this this next thing in terms of settling the pain is probably a little bit debatable as well. Yeah. But some yeah. low level painkillers, um, I'm I'm fine with for a short period of time, um, and kind of talking about things like like Panadol and ibuprofen mm-hmm. um, rather than anything sort of really intense. Um, I'm sort of in, like, you know, like anti, anti those things when it comes to like what, with a lot of my athletes, obviously ultra marathon runners. Um, and yeah. where, I, where I have issue with them is them, them taking it during a race to get through a race. Yeah, um, definitely. I'm, I'm talking about here in, yeah, the, in you're that kind about of the rest, normal people. Yeah, the, normal. the recovery, the recovery yeah. phase of yeah. it. So you're to you're taking it one. to <laughs> yeah, yeah, take taking it to settle that pain initially while you're not training. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I agree. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Things like things like some gentle massage can work. Some people acupuncture works well for. For me, I've, I've never found it 
helpful um but often gentle movement is the best thing uh, mm. as well for gentle unloaded movement so mm -hmm. if you've got shin splints just actually pumping your ankle up and down trying to focus yeah 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 trying to focus on the control of the movement as well because if i mean if you've got if you've got shin splints if you've got a calf strain or like an achilles tendinopathy going on then actually pumping your foot up and down your ankle up and down you'll have a look down you'll have a lot of shake going on really? with those mm -hmm. with those muscles um, just because they're not firing particularly well and if they're not firing particularly well they're not going to support you that well as you're up walking around moving around on them so if we can get them moving a little bit better to start with they tend to not put quite as much pressure through that part of your part of your body that's injured so if just doing some really gentle contract relaxed stuff with uh, with muscles yep. and I've had in, in this initial stage I usually have a concept and actually it uh, ties back into my podcast reasonably well mm -hmm. is that uncomfortable is okay mm. with these with these injuries that hey a little bit of discomfort is fine as we start to get things moving we don't want to be pushing you into pain pain yeah. um, because your body's natural reaction to pain is to tense stress. up and try and draw away from it and stress yourself yeah. out and that's what we're kind of trying to avoid um, but a little bit of discomfort in that in that initial phase is fine as we start to try and retrain that movement and get things gently moving yeah now that makes sense yeah I, I can see the, the the sense behind that one um, so gentle movement so um, in, in regards to shin splints um, so I, I found and well, just in my experience, uh, one tip for, for runners, check that your shoelaces aren't too tight. That mm, may be yes. what's causing them. That was a very simple one that an old dog taught me when I was doing a 340k race in uh, Germany one time. And I had massive shin splint problems. And he said, y you've cut the circulation off at the, at the ankle from the, from, the, from the lacing being too tight. And releasing that, because your feet swell, of course, when you're doing a multi-day stage race, which this was. Um, and so the whole time, so it was the lacing was fine when the foot was cool, but when it swelled up, it was actually blocking the um, the, the blood getting back up through the shins. And that's yeah, that's a great tip. Problem. So that was a real simple fix, that was. I mean, once the damage was done, it was done, but <laughs> at least it didn't get worse from that point on. <laughs> yeah, there's a, bit of, there's a bit of recovery time. And I mean, yeah. with, with that swelling as well, you're going to impede um, how, the, how the tendons slide up through the front of the ankle as well, yeah. which is yeah. uh, going to change, change the way that you run and change your gait. What do you think about mobility work? Like, we're really... Um, yeah, proponents of using the likes of the foam rollers, trigger release, you know, balls and uh, flossing. I don't know if you know what flossing is. Mm, um, yeah. We, you have a tight band that you wrap around and move the, the joint through its full range and then for a couple of minutes and then let it go. Um, all of that sort of stuff. And we're really big on promoting that on a daily basis to recover from, you know, these are for athletes training, running training especially. If they've come out of... Uh, you know, running a big run today and then they're sore if they can spend, you know, a quarter of an hour at night rolling around on their foam rollers, on their, their massage balls, their their little, you know, trigger point release things. What do you think about that? Yeah, definitely. I, I love that stuff as well. Yeah, um, cool. yeah. And uh, again, I think the, the, the kind of, there's 
research saying yeah this is fantastic stuff and there's research saying that uh, it's no better than a placebo um but for for myself and for the people that i work with i find that it um it, it, it's really beneficial and i think it, it's probably more beneficial for people if they can incorporate that into their training program as they're training for something yeah. to prevent the injury and as you say doing it on a on a regular basis because you're going to tighten up as you're challenging your body in new ways and asking it to adapt exactly. everyone well hopefully everyone that's listening to this has has had a day where they've trained hard and then the next day or, or 48 hours or 72 hours sometimes <laughs> i've had that they've the had that doms <laughs> that, that delayed onset muscle soreness yeah. that actually keeping things free keeping things mobile with your um with your tools, whether it's your whether it's your bands, whether it's your rollers, whether it's your balls, um, whether it's your kind of other weird and wacky, wonderful yeah, stuff that's that's out there. Influences now that yeah, you can yeah. use to and I, talk yeah, yourself I, with. Yeah, I, I find it's really good for people to to keep that mobility and kind of address different areas as they um, kind of as they're working through a training program. Yes, I don't always utilize them. Um, with people in the clinic and I wouldn't utilize them with people that are in that kind of acute phase as we're trying to settle things down yep. because often they're, they're just a bit too intense as we're looking to kind of move out of that phase and start to get people moving and back to normal activity again they're great to incorporate at that point in time mm, for the acute stuff no but as, as a general part as a general part of life and not even for people in training programs as well. I mean, if you're training yourself to sit at a desk for eight hours a day, then also um, going home and jumping on, well, go home, go for a walk or go for a run first. But um, yeah, open everything up. <laughs> yeah, lift, lift something, do some yoga, do, do something. But um, yeah, jump on, a, jump on a foam roller, jump on a spiky ball as well because you're going to tighten up through your lower back, you're going to tighten up through your hip flexors, your glutes, through your thoracic spine, through your, your shoulders and pecs as well because you've been sitting down in a slightly hunched over position for, for eight hours during the day. So Oh, yeah, so. and we, we all need it for that, you know, because we're all, well, most of us, unless we're manual labourers or something, are sitting at some sort of a desk mm -hmm. or sitting driving around or... Just yeah, nowhere yeah. near the, the levels that we need to be doing. So undoing the damage with these sort of uh, helpful aids can be really, really beneficial for everybody, but especially if you're upping your game in the, you know, trying to challenge your body to reach the next level of fitness for a specific goal. Um, you know, I, 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 we, know, we know it prevents injury. We know that with the hundreds of athletes that we've worked with that it actually helps prevent the trouble starting in the first place, you know, mm. in a lot of the cases. Um, let's move on to, like, plantar fasciitis. This is a nasty one that can creep up on you and hits a lot of beginner runners, especially. Mm. Um, is there anything they can do? I mean, we, we get them on uh, those mini foot rollers, like a mini foam roller yeah. sort of thing, um, releasing them there. I also like to, with, with all these things, hit them with um, natural anti-inflammatories for the entire system. Like A lot of us have got systemic sort of inflammation going on, so taking something like turmeric powder, you know, something that's non-invasive, non good for you, in many senses of the word, helps also if you've got an actual injury that you're fighting. 
Um, have you got any other sort of tricks and tips for for that sort of thing, or for plantar sh for, uh, fasciitis in, in particular? Yeah, so for plantar fasciitis, um, I, I think that the, the foot roller works quite well. Um, actually, what I quite like is if you've got a golf ball, throw yep. the golf ball in the freezer. Oh. I can and, get a bit of ice um, on yeah, it as well. Yeah, That's a leave great it tip. for yeah, leave it for yeah, overnight and then yeah, wow. pop it back out and have a little bit of a roll around so you get the cold going on with that as well. Brilliant. Um, tip. Yeah, one one other thing that I mean for for any of the lower limb injuries, what you probably want to be looking at as well, but especially for like shin splints plantar fasciitis, Achilles problem, is you want to look up the chain. So you want to come and have a look higher up at the knee, oh, uh, at the thigh, that. at the hip, at the <laughs> core and see what's happening there. Yeah. And do you have a problem with that that yeah. is actually causing you to load in a slightly strange way down through your foot exactly. um, or not change. as efficient and then yeah. you just kind of keep irritating this this part that um, doesn't have the, the capacity to, to handle that load. Yeah, I, I think that's... Uh, you know, a big, big deal. Like, um, this is a, again where the postural stuff comes in. You might have a shoulder injury, but it's actually coming from a foot, you know, that's collapsed inwards, you know, that's triggering the knee to fall inwards, that's, you know, hurting the hip. That's, mm. <laughs> and it goes up through the body and, um, you know, and, and culminates in head or neck pain or something. Yeah. And sometimes with that, it, it's kind of, it can be, everything is connected, which yeah. is good. Because yep. it stops you falling apart. Yeah, but. but when something is irritated, it tends to irritate everything else around it and changes the way that you move. And when you're moving differently, some like there's no there's no such thing as bad movement. But if you're doing uh, an awkward movement over and over again with a structure that it doesn't have the capacity to take that movement, sometimes yeah, it does it does lead to irritation. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Checking out, checking out what's happening at the core, what's happening at, um, at your hips, at your shoulders as well, is, is super important with um, with a lot of these injuries. And is it like if you find something that's weird that's going on, is it the chicken or is it the egg? Exactly. Yep. And does it really matter? There's, no, these just things work both. On and, you, yep. and you need to address both of them yep. anyway. And this is why I think, like you know, stuff emphasizing that your posture needs to be correct. You know. Instead of standing slumped or standing with one leg cocked out or your hip to one side or whatever, being aware on a daily basis, you know, throughout the day, we try to get people to five or six times a day just to check in with how am I standing, how's my posture, am I, you know, hunched over my phone or my computer or slumped down in my chair, and it's mm. just it's giving yourself those little those little cues to um, keep the whole postural chain really straight. And your yeah. hips not tilted forward or backwards, um, so that when you actually go to run, you're not running in the same sitting posture that you you were at your computer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you haven't and, opened everything up. And I think with that as well, Lisa, is that um, I mean, even if you're standing now, I'm gonna say put this next one in parentheses because there's a podcast and people can't see us. Yeah. Um, but even if you're standing in perfect posture, um. If you if you're just standing in that, if that's all you're doing, you're gonna fatigue in that position, oh, and yeah. things are gonna get sore and, and tired, and it's gonna take you longer because you're in a better position. But it's um, 
it's still going to happen. So I think I, I really like the way that you describe it there. And I, I do this with people as well, as I'll say, having start to, to have some awareness around how you're sitting or how you're moving at certain times of the day. So you're, you're five or six times during the day. Um, sometimes I, I get people to, to set an alarm and say, okay, when your alarm goes off, I want you to have a think and I want you to reset your posture. Brilliant. Um, and, Often, like when people get really hung up on posture and about sort of what should I be doing and how can I how can I do it and I, I see some some people and I've been to to see other people and um, kind of had uh, had a big sort of postural session with them and I say okay how do you stand in good posture and they'll say oh, I've got to turn my foot like this and I need to tilt my pelvis like this and um, then I need to move my shoulder like this and like oh, like 10 or 15 things that they need to think about and by wow. the time they've got to the 10th or 15th then <laughs> the first one's just it's gone to pot again um, so it's yeah. such a it's such a hard difficult thing for people to do that they get frustrated so what we want to do is we want to make sure that it's easy for people to get into a good posture uh-huh. So usually my tips for people, um, heaps easier to do if you're standing up. So if you're standing, if you're listening to this podcast and you're standing, what I want you to do now is I want you to push your feet down into the ground as hard as you can. What that's going to do, that's just going to engage all those muscles in your legs. It's going to engage those stability muscles there, and it's going to naturally put you in a slightly better position and a better posture. So, do so you mean like twisting slightly outwards so that you're turning no. your glutes on, or how do you mean pushing? No, no, no. Forward? Just um, if you uh, stand up now, Lisa. Stand I am. up now. I'm standing. Okay. Yep. Cool. <laughs> well, all I want you to do is I want you to try and evenly through your feet, yep. push down as hard as you can through both feet into the floor, and you should feel most of the muscles turn on in the leg. I d- we're not talking like Arnie at Mr. Olympia sort of flexing here. Yeah. But I just wanted kind of a general sense that hey. They're turned on. Yep. So that usually sorts out your lower half. And mm-hmm. then what I want you to do is I want you to think about just lifting your sternum or your chest bone or your breastbone or whatever you want to call it, just gently up towards the roof. Got it. So that's going to start to engage you through the core. If you lift that up, it's going to just naturally sort of drop your shoulders back a little bit and it's going to stack your head hopefully reasonably well over your um, your thoracic spine and your lumbar spine and your hips as well. So two things that are reasonably easy for people to remember is push your feet into the floor, lift your sternum up towards the roof, and, and usually that sets you up in a reasonably really good. good posture. Yeah, Brilliant. Yeah. Good. That's a great tip. Like you say, not a 100 things to remember, just two. Mm. Yeah, and, and you'll be pretty much okay with that. Yeah, you got you have 90% better posture. Yeah, yeah. And then it's it's much more convenient for people to do. It doesn't take them 15 minutes to try and figure out what a good posture looks like. <laughs> exactly. No, that, that's a really good tip. Um, any other sort of major injuries, like with knee injuries are very common, obviously, amongst runners, overuse injuries mm-hmm. or ITB bands that are too tight, pulling on the knees, um, you know, that sort of thing. Any, any, any tips there? Yeah. Look at the hip. Look at the hip. Look at what's happening at your hip. Um, your, your knee joint, I mean, there, there, are, there are injuries that happen to the knee, 
but predominantly for the overuse ones, um, it's going to be more of a kind of a, a tracking or an alignment problem. And that usually happens higher up. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to look, um, you can do stuff around the knee in terms of some foam rolling or some muscle release or some stretching or some, some strength-based work, but to, to help get it right, but to stop it happening again, is you want to have a look at what's happening at the hip and the core, because if you're not stable, uh, you're not as stable through that side of your hip and your core, and your your hip moves from side to side, that's going to change the angle of loading that's coming down through your knee, and whether that's going to come in and uh, affect you down through your, your distal ITB, whether that's going to affect you through um, your patellar tendon or in around your fat pad. Um, or one of that one of the hamstring tendons. It usually is a case of um, things happening higher up the chain mm-hmm. that are leading to changes in loading coming down through the knee in a uh, in a way that's just again going to to overload something that doesn't have the capacity to to handle that at the moment and doing a bit of bit of uh, mobility movement control and and strength strength. endurance work through the hip and the core is probably going to be one of the best things you can do for preventing knee injuries great to hear we're on track with everything that we do that that reiterates what we we say and reinforces it yeah and and this is especially important i think for women especially if they've uh, Mm -hmm. had children um with the hips that you know can be um, too relaxed after after carrying children, or um, even just in general, if we've got a wider you know hips, um, can lead to a lot of knee problems, can't they? And 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 indeed, you know, like torn labrums and hamstring and you know all sorts of nasty yeah, other things. Yeah, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, women for in terms of kind of running and loading through the knee are at a little bit of a biomechanical disadvantage, disadvantage because yeah. their pelvises are, are slightly uh, wider than yep. guys, um, which is great for for childbirth, um, yep. but isn't Not so, so great for running. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it, it's not a bad thing for running um, if you if you make sure that everything is kind of working working Still. well through the through the whole body. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is. We, you do usually see um, a, a kind of an increase in predominance of of knee and hip injuries in female runners compared to male runners. Yep, and and it's, yeah, especially after the child, you know, after being pregnant, where the ligaments and things relax, don't they, during that mm-hmm. process, and that they stay relaxed for quite a while afterwards. You really have to build up again from scratch. Uh, and, and you make do. sure you get yeah. really stable in that hip area and the glutes and core again before you start tackling um, bigger mileage because that's where you can do damage quicker I think, correct me if I'm wrong but um, quicker if you've got relaxed ligaments because of the hormones that have been racing around in your body yeah, yeah, definitely and like the, again it's, it's it's a fantastic thing, and that's mm. kind of what you what you would be here need. without it, would we? <laughs> yeah, thankfully, I'm never going to have to go through childbirth myself. But um, <laughs> you're lucky, bugger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, and I, 
I completely respect and, and appreciate all the people that that do, um, and having those that relaxation is is really important for that. But it is it does mean that you do need to kind of put in a little bit more work in terms of uh, of some stability movement control work, so yeah. that you have that that muscular support and you kind of retrain those uh, those tendons and ligaments to help take that load and it is a it's a bit of a, a slow process with it as well um i don't know that many women that are really into kind of running within the first month of giving birth no probably um, not recommended yeah 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 um but uh yeah it's 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 a slow build up with that yeah. and i think like working through your your hip and your core strength as well is also going to have added benefits for people that have shin splints and have calf problems and Achilles and plantar fascia problems because if you're not utilizing your um your quads and your hamstrings and your and your gluteal muscles or your core muscles especially well what's going to want to happen if you keep running is actually your calf and your foot muscles are going to have to work a whole lot harder to try and um to try and kind of make up that deficit yeah 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 and so you throw things out there yeah so added added benefits of kind of that that core thigh um movement control strength work is is those yep. injuries down. Yeah, that's exactly what we um, harp on about over and over and over again. <laughs> it's good to have uh, some someone backing that up. <laughs> um, so, Chris, thank you very much for for sharing all your insights today. Um, I really appreciate that as we you know wrap it up uh, here. But um, where can people uh, find out a little bit more about you and, and tell us again where that, that podcast is and any, any places if people have got questions for you, um, where, can they, where can they contact you? Yeah, sure thing. Um, so in, in terms of, uh, of physiotherapy, so I'm, I, I work for uh, the TBI Health Group um, and I, I manage a clinic in Mana just north of Porirua, um, just north of Wellington. Mm-hmm. Um, TBI have, have clinics kind of around most of the places in the country and, and the guys are really knowledgeable um, for a whole range of, of injuries, not just running related ones. So, so yep. pop in and, uh, and see them. Um, easiest place to find out about them is to jump on uh, TBI Health, so T-B-I, so stands for The Back Institute. Um, We don't just do backs, obviously, we do running and and other things as well. Um, TBIHealth.co.nz and you'll be able to find the clinic nearest to you. Fantastic. Um, Yeah, for for the podcast and to uh, sort of... We'll learn how to you. get out of your yep. yeah. Learn how to your com- uh, get out of your comfort zone a little bit better. Um, is uncomfortable is okay, uh, and you can you can at the moment jump on social media um, at uncomfortable is okay on Facebook. Um, we've got a Facebook group how to get uncomfortable, um, and or over on Instagram as well. Uncomfortable is okay, or you can find me on on LinkedIn. Uh, Chris Desmond on LinkedIn, 
Um, hopefully I'm looking reasonably sporty in my profile picture. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, that, that's fantastic, Chris. Like, and we really appreciate you sharing your, you know, very in-depth knowledge with all your qualifications and years working in this area and as an athlete. Um, you know, it, it sort of backs up a lot of what, what we, we preach, which is great um, and gives a, has given me a few new insights into a couple of areas and some great tips. So thank you so much for your time today, mate. Uh, Lisa, it's been a pleasure. It's always great to uh, have a conversation with you about the exciting topics like these. That's it for this episode of Pushing the Limits with your host, Lisa Tamati. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe and share all this goodness with your networks so we can impact more lives with positive insights and inspiring conversations. And check us out online at www.lisatamati.co.nz.